0: In that day I will raise up the booth of David that has fallen and repair its breaches, and raise up its ruins and rebuild it as in the days of old, that they may possess the remnant of Edom and all the nations who are called by my name, declares the Lord who does this. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when the plowman shall overtake the reaper and the treader of grapes, him who sows the seed. The mountains shall drip sweet wine, and all the hills shall flow with it. I will restore the fortunes of my people Israel. And they shall rebuild the ruined cities and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and drink their wine. And they shall make gardens and eat their fruit. I will plant them on their land, and they shall never again be uprooted. Out of the land that I have given them, says the Lord your God. Good morning once again. Uh, we're happy that you're here with us today, uh, this Memorial Day weekend, and, uh, and finally in our, our month series we have some good news, <laughs> some good news to, to share from scripture from Amos. Uh, uh, this week as I was preparing, uh, it's been a week of bad news, really, in, in our country, in our world. Tough, tough situations uh... between children adults being killed between sickness between other things that just seem to be hammering our world around us but i wanted to uh, you know as we do this lesson today I, this certainly is good news and uh, we're happy to to share uh... from the scriptures this day as we share together i wanted to do though to take a pause as uh thankfully, two people have already done as we flip the next slide, to, to, to remember this being Memorial Day. Uh, last year, right after Marie's wedding, uh, we, with Todd and Kim, Diane and I, went to, to go to the World War I Museum there in Kansas City, which is a beautiful place to remember, uh, to, to remember things that I was not alive to remember, <laughs> to, to remember for, uh, actually seeing it happening but to remember the sacrifices and things. And I picked up a, uh, as you walk into this museum, there's a, a, a glass bridge that overlooks a, a field of poppies uh, called Flanders Field, uh, representing Flanders Field. And I picked up a uh, poem that I'd like to share with you. I guess the British, uh, it was written by a Canadian, a member of the Canadian Army, but the British folks memorize this as part of their children, par- memorize this as part of their, their schooling. So I'd like for you just to close your eyes for just for a second, take it, maybe take a glance, if you know what a poppy is, uh, a beautiful little red flower, and to picture that field uh, as, as I read this to us this morning. <clears throat> In Flanders Field, the poppies blow between the crosses row on row, that mark our place and in the sky, the larks still bravely sing and fly, scarce heard amid the guns below. We are the dead, short days ago we lived, felt dawn, saw sunset glow, loved and were loved, and now we lie in Flanders' field. So take up our quarrel with the foe, to you from falling hands we throw, The torch to be yours to hold it high. If we break faith, if you break faith with us who die, we shall not sleep, though the poppies grow in Flanders' fields. Father, we uh, come before you this morning uh, grateful and thankful uh, for those who paid the ultimate price so that we could have freedom, who paid the ultimate price so that we could live in a country where we could celebrate you, we could speak of you, we could worship you, and have many other freedoms that that we we realize in this country. We're mindful of those people who have lost family members. As uh, I mentioned in class, Father, we are even mindful of those who have lost great parts of their life, like our Jason Gibson, who lost both of his legs uh, serving our country. We're we're proud of Jason, we're proud of the countless others who have served, served, and we're thankful for their families who love them, support them, and keep them. So Father, help us never forget. Help us never to forget to carry that torch. Help us never to make them feel like their sacrifice was in vain. Much like as, as was said just earlier, Dan sh- shared with us about um, keeping your Light and your torch going as well. Help us always to be mindful of the the responsibility we have to fight the good fight and to keep the faith. Father, we're grateful for those who we recognize this weekend, and help us help us to be mindful of that as we as we live and love and, and share in our country this weekend. In Jesus' name, Amen. I would like to. Uh, uh, one quick thing about the the summer series. There are books in the foyer. If you haven't picked yours up yet, go ahead and pick that up as we will be starting, starting this week with the series. Um, so it's not all bad news. Uh, we've had a couple weeks of, of bad news from scripture, bad news from the prophet Amos who had the opportunity and the duty to share bad news with people. Um, I always, uh, bad news is never easy to share. There's a couple people who are former members here when something happens to members here, and I call them, <laughs> when they see my number pop up, they sadly know that I'm calling with bad news of, of someone who's passed on or some, something that, that has happened. Because I would like them to hear it from, from us instead of th- through an email or something else. Um, you always hear about that knock at the door with the policeman or the state highway patrolman, who comes to your door and tells you that something horrid has happened to your family. That happened to our family. Uh, we were on vacation in the Florida Keys, and my brother Mike had just left to drive back, and it was about three in the morning. And uh, I was in my brother and I was in a tent. My parents were in the motorhome, and we heard this. Uh, thing pull into the drive, pull up into our campsite, and we heard the radio. Uh, we heard the the police radio, and then there was the pound on the door. Uh, my brother had been in a, a pretty pretty bad accident on the on the uh, key on the uh, A1A uh, Keys Road, and uh, they were telling us, and we were grateful. You held your breath because you didn't know what was coming out of their mouth. Thankfully he's been in Iraq. he's in a hospital, he's gonna be okay. But he needed to get hold of, that was before cell phones. Many of you have no idea what that means. <laughs> Do not have a cell phone. But, uh, but that news, that bearing of bad news can be a very difficult thing. And so Amos was charged with that. And I'm sure as, as, uh, as Caleb has mentioned several times during the last month, he probably just wanted to go back to farming. He just wanted to go back to his house, go back to doing what, what he had to do instead of sharing what he was having to share because God had put it on him to, to do so. Israel could have hope, not because of who they were, but because of who God is. This kind of goes about with what we'd studied in class this morning about God living within us. It's not about us. It's not about anything that you or I can do, but it's about God living within us. And Amos, in this chapter, in verse 5, he focuses on the sovereignty of God. He focuses on God's ability to seek out those who he wanted to preserve. God has never desired to wipe everybody off of the face of the earth. But he always had this remnant. He always had this group of people who he made a promise to and he would not go against his promise. Israel's faith had degenerated until God was a little more than a cult deity. He was nothing to most people. Their vision of God was too small, it was too limited, and too constricted. And as I think about us today, how many of us, how many of us have our faith that is too small, too constricted, and too limited to to make any difference in our world? There used to be a song about putting God in a little box. Putting, I, can't even, I was trying to remember it this morning, but I've, I know I haven't led it here, <laughs> so I was not going to try to lead it this morning. But it's about putting God in a little box and keeping him safe. God does not want to be in a box. God wants to be out and about, and he wants to be in our lives in a big, big way. So I invite you this morning to turn to, to Amos, chapter 9, and open it up as we read through some of it and then refer back to some of it. Back in Amos chapter 9, it says, I saw the Lord standing by the altar, and he said, Strike the tops of the pillars so that the thresholds shake. Bring them down on the heads of all the people. Those who are left I will kill with the sword. Not one of them will get away. None of them will escape. Though they dig down to the depths below, from there my hand will take them. Though they climb up to the heavens above uh, from there, I will bring them down. There's no hiding from God. Verse number three, it says, Though they hide themselves on the top of Carmel, there I will hunt them down and seize them. Though they hide from my eyes at the bottom of the sea, there I will command a serpent to bite them. Though they are driven into exile by their enemies, there I will command that sword to slay, slay them. I will keep my eye on them for harm and not for good. The Lord, the Lord Almighty, he touches the earth and it melts, and all who live in it mourn, and the whole land rises like the Nile and then sinks like the river of Egypt. He builds his lofty palace in the heaven, and he sets its foundations on the earth, and he calls for the waters of the sea and pours them out over the face of the land, and the Lord is his name. Are not you Israelites the same to me as the Cushites, declares the Lord? Did I not bring up Israel from Egypt, the Philistines, the Kafir, and the Armenians from Kerr? Surely the eyes of the sovereign Lord are on a sinful kingdom. I will destroy it from the face of the earth, yet, yet, I will not totally destroy the descendants of Jacob, declares the Lord. For I will give the command and I will shake the people of Israel among the nations as the grain is shaken in a sieve and not a pebble will reach the ground. And all the sinners among my people will die by the sword. All those who say disaster will not overtake or meet us. That hymn, those words of, of, that shows us that God controls the universe and doles his judgment out upon the nations. But, but many of them and many of us wrongly assume that this judgment would always benefit us and harm others. Do we not think that yet today, that when we hear warnings and things that that will will benefit us and harm others, you will get yours for what you do when you break the law? And meanwhile, I will be okay, because I don't break the law. We've, we, we mistakenly believe that. And now we have to realize the, the wrath of which God speaks. So there's so much bad news. I'm, I'm c- kind of careful of my graphics that I use. Last time I had a lion on my uh, graphic, and every time it popped up, Samuel would roar. <laughs> so I'm hoping that this next slide doesn't cause any, any problems this morning. I'm hoping not. Uh, but there's so much bad news, and so many times we, we struggle. We struggle with bad news because sometimes it is, it is overwhelming. There's a story of a family consisting of a father, mother, and a young son, and, and, the, and an even younger daughter. They visited the Carlo, Car, Carlsbad Caverns, Caverns in New Mexico on their vacation, and while exploring the cavern they, on the guided tour, the guide turned the lights off to show how dark it was beneath the surface of the earth. Out of the darkness came two sounds, the gasp of a little girl who was caught by surprise by the sudden darkness, and the comforting words of her older brother, Don't worry, sis, there's someone here who knows how to turn the lights on. And that was Amos' words to the people of, of his day in the shadow of the message. Dark days are ahead, but then he added, Don't worry, there's someone who knows how to turn the lights on. I think we have to remember that. We have to remember in our dark times that there is a God, that God is in control and we must learn and trust him. But we also have to remember that he keeps his word. He keeps his word to, to Jacob's family. He keeps his word that there will be that remnant, that we'll be, he will always be with them. And today he keeps that word to us as well, that he will watch over us. But he means what he says. He means what he says, and we must be faithful, we must continually look to him and try to, to make out what it is that he wants us to do and to live. In verse uh, eight um, in verse eight, he says, "I will destroy, uh, I will destroy it from the face of the earth." It's countered with a message, "Yet I will not totally destroy the house of Jacob." It's a reminder: I will have my wrath, I will have my say but I will keep my promise. The prophet had already predicted Israel would be taken into exile. And now he reveals that the exile will not result in destruction, but the discipline of Israel. Sometimes do we feel like discipline is destruction? (laughs) Discipline is hard, discipline is hard. And Israel was being disciplined. Uh, Old Testament scholar Kyle Yates explains it this way about the sieve. Uh, at least two types were used for sifting of grain in ancient times. One type allowed the chaff to pass through while reta- retaining the grain, and another permitted the grain to fall through, keeping the pebbles in the in the sieve. Retained is the grain and the former uh, and the and pebbles in the latter. Regardless, they would be sifted. They would be separated, and the faithful uh, would be spared from from uh, destruction. And it's interesting in Scripture, and we kind of it was brought up in class this morning as well uh, by somebody else, um, that the, the idea of a remnant uh, remains, or it, there's, a, there's an idea of remnant throughout Scripture. Um, on our back wall back there, I'm not sure where, where that idea came from, but there's a board out there, a wire board that has different remnants of fabric in it. And on that board, we were each to bring in something that represented something that we were about. So it was a remnant of something that, that would represent us. And not everybody would recognize that was you. If we were closer and tighter, or actually watched somebody put it on there, <laughs> we might know who, who it is. Uh, but out there, there's a military thing. And I can only imagine who, who put that up there. I, I assumed it was Miss Becky but I'm not sure. There's a military thing there, and there are all kinds of different things that kind of are a part of us. And it was just a remnant that shows a piece of us that how all together we make this church. So in scripture, there's several, I, several people who were forming that remnant. Noah, who survived the flood when all of mankind was destroyed, that he was a remnant. Lot was a remnant when he survived the destruction of Sodom. Um, and perhaps the clearest expression of it is in Zephaniah chapter 2, verse 3, when it says, Seek the Lord, all, all you humble of the land. You, do not, uh, you who do his commands, seek righteousness, seek humility. Perhaps you will be sheltered on the day of the Lord's anger. So there's always that reminder that we are a remnant. Not everybody will receive the goodness of God because their lives do not reflect him, do not lift up around him. Some of God's people will be spared, not because of their goodness, but because of God's grace. And I want to remind us that, I've said that once already, but it's it's about God's grace. It's not about our goodness. As good as some of us are, um, it it just, we don't get it. We will not make the mark but it's because of great God's great love for us. God has repeatedly used small and seemingly insignificant people to further his kingdom. There's so many people within our church who are wonderful. And in the big picture, if we were mentioned your name, you know, at the state level or the, even the city level, we were not, we would not be known. But if some people, if we mentioned their name to a homeless person, mention your name to a community member, to a church, church, church family, we would recognize that person as somebody who was a blessing, somebody who's making a difference. Um, Gideon gathered 32,000 men to carry out an assignment that God had given to him. And God said, you had too many men. Uh, through a process of elimination, he reduced it from 32,000 to 300. I can't imagine I just can't imagine going from 32,000, and you're facing a very large army, uh, down to 300. But Gideon had the faith, and God, God protected him, and God helped him to succeed, and he helped to do that with that small remnant. And that was Amos' word to the people, that their hope for the future didn't reside in their strength as a nation. Instead, their hope for the future uh, rested in the remnant of the people would be protected and empowered by God. And you and I are those people today. So we had a section of good news, and we have a section of bad news. And in the verses that were read for us a few minutes ago, and I'd like for you to pull those up because we're not going to look at them now, but I'm going to refer to them. These verses gave us great hope. These verses show us that God is, is going to protect that remnant. It says, as a result of God's grace... And with the aid of this remnant, Israel would be restored. And, but how could this future be realized? Amos described the glory and the future by recalling the past. We all have those people in our lives who wave the flags of the past. And we have the past. And our, our country has been in a struggle of realizing that our history is our history. It is what we lived. It is where we've been. And if we, if we don't recognize it, some of, some of those bad things, we could repeat if we don't keep those things in front of us to, to know. But in this case, in this case, Amos describes, he brings up uh, David. And David was, David's rule was a time of great prosperity, and David became a symbol of greater things to come. And Amos brings up David in, in this conversation. And the picture of the throne of David is being reestablished, and the land being restored would stir hope in the hearts of the people of Israel. Because they could remember the good things of the past. They could remember the great things that he had done. And the glory of the future, further expressed by a series of metaphors, including uh, productivity, prosperity, and permanence. Um, Productivity in verse 13 reminds us uh, where he's talking about, and it's maybe hard for us to understand, but in those verses he's talking about the the workers in the field would overlap each other. and it sounds a little confusing, but as I read about it, it would say they'd be planting seeds and then they would be harvesting at the same time because of so much prosperity. One set of workers would still be gathering the harvest and the next one would be plowing for the next season. So much prosperity that they couldn't, they couldn't keep up. And it was also uh, productivity, but also the prosperity of, of the great blessings that they had because of that. But the other idea was the idea of permanence that they would have a place, they would have a place that they would be, and they would never be uprooted from that again. So what does that mean for us today? The entire ninth chapter helps us to behold our God and live with hope and rooted in his promises. We have to have hope. The hope is what sustains us. And again, relating to classes, and none of this is ever planned by us, <laughs> though it seems to, seems to come together very nicely, This morning, our conversation in class was from 1 Thessalonians about uh, God living within us, God moving and directing us. Um, He is the God of righteousness who demands that we live righteously, and he is our judge. He will not accept second place in our lives or second-rate discipleship. Where does God rank in your life? Where does living for him rank in your life? Is he the center of your focus? Is he the center of all your decisions? Of your goals, of your productivity? Is He the center of that or is He second rate? I ask you to look at that. I ask you to look at that in your life in regards to your family, to your children, to your activities. Is God second rate or or is He the priority? If He is not the priority, He's not where He wants to be. And you and I, if he is not our priority, we will make mistakes that will hinder our, our uh, witness to the world around us. And so you and I need to make sure that he is that top spot, top spot in our life, not second place. His, he promises that there will be an accounting, not only at the end of our physical lives, but every day in life. Not only at the end are we accountable, but every day. And again in, uh, again in class today, I, I, I shared a story, and I think we sh- maybe shared it in our small group as well, but uh, of being at the post office recently, and 15 minutes to go, and uh, 15 minutes to close, and the guy is arguing with me for f- five of those minutes that I brought too much, too late to get it done before he got off his shift, and uh, I said, well, I was here at 17 till, you don't close till eight o'clock, and if you would would stop complaining and start doing my stuff, we probably could get it done. But I was trying to be very nice, because on each of those those envelopes, the big envelopes, was the Spring Road Church of Christ return address label. So I was reminded, even though I was pretty frustrated, uh, I was reminded of who I was who I was representing, and if I started going down the wrong road, that was going to be a bad reflection, not only on this church, but on my God. I am thankful (laughs) for that accountability that helped me in that situation. Just do your job, please. And when he finally did it, it was like five minutes, and he was done with all nine envelopes. But there was an opportunity for me to remember to keep my my words and my attitude at a decent <laughs> in a, a respectful manner. And uh, I, I've always told Diane and Kelly, if I ever get arrested, it'll be in a post office because of I always have a struggle at the post office. Uh, it's just I don't know what it is anyway, but we are accountable. And each day, not only at the end of our lives, but, you know, during, during this life here. So we have to, Amos brought us a renewed awareness of the cost of being chosen. We have been called to be saints, God's holy people, and we've been appointed to live holy and righteous lives. And he realizes that we can't do it on our own without God. We need God. After studying Amos, we must, we must be prepared to behold our God with a new sense of awe and wonder. We need to be in awe and wonder of God. He has, intervened, uh, in, it, um, he has intervened to make us right with himself, and he gives us the power to live righteous lives and Christ living within us. He gives us that power. Do we tap into it? Do we look for it? Do we ask for it? Do we ask God to help us? Uh, we mentioned in class again this morning about each day waking up and saying, God, help me today. Give me wisdom, give me me peace, give me me what I need to make it through this day. So Amos brings us to Calvary with humility and repentance. For the uh, the righteousness the prophet proclaimed is now ours. And that poor little farmer who was uh, charged with putting this, this news out had a great message for us. And that our lives needed to be lived with greater intentionality without hypocrisy and pretense we have to be real we have to be ourselves to the people around us and we have to realize that god is our power so the news isn't all bad remnant that remnant is still alive today throughout our world and trying to proclaim the unity of christ as we look at uh, our last slide, I wanted us to jump into Romans chapter 6 to, to finish our time. Because this is our reminder. This is our reminder for us today. That we have to live lives that, that show that Christ is in us. Romans chapter 6, I'd like to read um, 1 through 13. It says, so what, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning that grace may increase? By no means. We um, We, um, there's a missing mark there. Uh, We have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through the baptism into death, so that just as Christ was raised from the dead, and through the glory of the Father, we may may too have a new life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like him, like his. For we know that our old self was crucified with him, that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, and that we should no longer be slaves to sin, because anyone who has died, has died has been set free from sin. Verse 8. Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that Christ was raised from the dead and he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. And the, but the life that he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to Christ. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that, that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an inter- instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been bought, brought from death to life, and offer every part of yourself as an instrument of righteousness. For sin shall no longer be your master because you are not under the law, but under grace. Sin is no longer our master. God is our master, and you and I must live each day trying our best to keep our eyes focused on him so we can continue that remnant. I pray to God that we are not the last of the remnant of folks who seek Christ. But it's up to God and it's up to you and I to spread that word of Christ so that remnant increases. We only have a short time to live here. A short time. And this, this Church kind of makes us liars from time to time because we have several 90s and 97s in our church. But at most, 100 years to live. What beautiful lives we have opportunity to give and to live, to be a witness for what God has done for us. So the question is, as we finish this up, will you continue to be that remnant? Will you continue to be those ones that are focused on Christ looking to him, letting him fill you and guide you and lead you, or are you going to continue to minimize what God can do for you? Are you going to limit what he can do for you and go off on your own and do what you want to do? My encouragement is that you would keep your eyes on him, that you would continue to follow him, that you would let him lead you, and that he would, when he brings you to it, that he will lead you through it. will he will be there for you no matter what it is in your life life is is life is long and life is a little crazy and sometimes a lot crazy so we need to keep our eyes focused and we need to listen to those people who seem to be sometimes unimportant and unvaluable to us listen to those people to help find our way. Because if those people are of Christ, they will guide us in a great way. And that could be anybody, literally anybody. So I encourage you, listen to the word of God. Make sure that it's true and follow it with all of your heart. And I encourage you to do that each day. Today, if you are, are not a Christian, I would encourage you to, to have some of those conversations about what that means about turning your life over to Christ, to live for him each day, to rise each day, to make it your goal to live for him and to be an example to the world around you. If you are a Christian who is struggling and your life seems to be filled with bad, hard news and you can't get out of the cycle, I would encourage you to pray. I would encourage you to tap into that power that Christ offers you. He offers you such incredible immense power to to get through life all we have to do is ask seek and knock and it will be open to us so i encourage you whatever your needs would be if you would like to make those public you can come forward as we stand and sing or you can let, let it be known to any of us but most of all let him lead you let him guide you and hold on to him because he is able to deliver us. Let us stand.